All right, and so um, we've been wanting to, we share together once every month, but since we moved into the school, we have not shared together. Um, the Lord just wanted me to preach all the time. Um, but, <laughs> but the two of us, she's, she's a preacher in her, in her own right. She was a, a teacher at uh, the church that she was at before we even met. And so I have a lot of respect for the wisdom that she has and she brings to the table. And um, we like to talk about um, relationships and specifically the home life. But we believe that everything that we're sharing today applies um, throughout, throughout your life. Um, we're talking about spiritual leadership, and there's a lot of uh, 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 confusion regarding spiritual leadership in the home. Some people think that the guy just kind of rules everything, and he tells everybody what to do. Um, some people think the, the woman just... Anyway, uh, the, the, you know, so there's, there's the, our, our, our culture portrays various pictures of what it means to have leadership, especially in the home, but really um, throughout society, our, our culture portrays various um, um, pictures of that, and not all of them are wrong. But um, for us as Christians, we believe that um, the purpose of leadership and the purpose of, of having a family and having children and having a church, because we are leaders here in the church, purpose is to help you move from where you are to where you should be, from where you're at to where God's called you to be. And all of us can move. All of us can take a step. All of us can, can go from awkward to awesome somewhere along that trajectory. Um, and, so, and so we want to show you kind of how we believe God is calling us to do that. We're going to look at Proverbs um, chapter 6. But before we do, um, Proverbs is all about wisdom. Proverbs is all about wisdom. And so the next sermon series actually that I'll be preaching is from Proverbs. I'm going to be looking at Proverbs and talking about the value of wisdom. Because wisdom, wisdom is, is faith. Wisdom is faith put into action. Wisdom is stuff that you know and you believe working it out in your everyday life. And so anyway, so I'm, I'm excited uh, about, about preaching on wisdom uh, through Proverbs. And we're going to start this off today. But um, in Proverbs, there's a lot about wisdom, a lot about wise decisions. And so this past week, um, I had a moment of weakness, and I went to uh, Taco Bell. <laughs> hey, I'm from Michigan, okay? That's the only Mexican food we got. You know what I'm saying? Like, seriously, I'm, Amber can testify. There's no, like, there's no Mexican food up there. Some of you guys need to move up there. You'll make a fortune, right? Like, just, you need to get a trailer somewhere. Anyway, like Taco Bell is it. So I grew up with Taco Bell. Now I know, as an adult, I know that, you know, the meat is basically USDA level of dog food, I think. Literally, I think it is. It's rated like the same. So it's not incredibly healthy. I don't know what the cheese is made out of, but it's kind of stringy and gooey, which is nice. And it tastes, all the chemicals they inject into it actually taste like cheese and like meat. So that's what I grew up with. And so, you know, I, like some days you're just kind of, you know, you're in a hurry. You didn't plan lunch. You, didn't, you don't have time for that. You're too busy ministering to people, counseling, doing all sorts of good godly stuff. You don't have time, you know, to think about food. And so you're driving along in Buda and, oh, hey, there's nobody at the Taco Bell line. And so, like there never is. And so, so I pull up, you know, I, I, I pull up. And it's so funny because, right, because I'm, I, I have a bit of a history in marketing, so I kind of think marketing-wise. And so I pull up, and I, and I notice all the signs. And usually, usually Taco Bell, they advertise to, like, 12-year-olds, you know. Like, most of their stuff is, like, you know, people kicking things, punching things, hitting things. 12-year-old boys, pretty much. <laughs> like, 
And a lot of men never really grow out of that. But anyway, it's, you know, it's just like, you know, like really, uh. and so I, I pull up and there's a sign on the, on the place where, where I'm about to order. And it says, uh, the best decision of your day. And I was like, what? <laughs> now, you know, I mean, I mean, let's be, let's be honest. We all know this is not the best I hope it's not the best decision of of your day if this is the best decision of your day see me after church we're gonna pray for you and give you a little bit of wisdom like maybe you should brush your teeth that's a better decision you know what I'm saying like I don't know any adult 36 year old male that wakes up in the morning man I got I gotta do that I gotta go to work and then I gotta eat my Taco Bell like this is I'm not here because I made a decision to be here. I'm here because I happen to be hungry and the Chick-fil-A line is really long and you guys are cheap, right? And, I mean, that's why I am here. This is a, a compromise to my decision making. This is not uh, the best decision of my day. And it just struck me as so odd. It's like, that's the very thing that I thought everybody could agree was not good. I'm not proud of being at Taco Bell. I'm just hungry, okay? I want to get a few tacos for a few bucks. That's all. Let's just, can we just exchange this and not try to pretend like this is a good decision? I mean, I don't understand, like, like if you work in the sort of sin industry, like, like, like if you sell tobacco, uh, you know, and, and, and Snickers and stuff, like you should not tell people no, and like soda, I mean, I mean I'm not again, I'm, like, I'm not judging you, it's not like, you know, the, 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 but don't put it on your, on your container, this is the best decision of your day, you're drinking three days worth of, of sugar in one can, but this is the best decision of your day, don't insult me like that, I got better decisions, this is a mistake, okay, I agree, you agree, I'm making a mistake because I want to, okay, I like this stuff, I, it tastes good to me, I mean, anyway, um, I came home and told Ross, I said, man, that was the best decision of my day. I need to make better decisions today, babe. I don't know. Um, so anyway, um, I don't know what that has to do with anything. Except decision-making and wisdom. You really, our culture, too, we need some wisdom. Lord, we need some wisdom. We need uh, some wisdom up in here. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs today. And oh, pro thanks for getting me on track. Thanks. The book of Proverbs talks about making, a, um, making wise decisions. We have an echo. There's a bit of a thing going okay. on. Okay, I feel like I'm on like a that 10,000 person stadium. But Emilio is on it. He's like Ooh. back there pushing buttons. <laughs> um, and so during the chapters of one through nine of Proverbs, it talks about four different ways that people respond to instruction or to warnings. To truth. Um, to truth. When I tell Harry that Taco Bell is dog food, um, this is how he responds to that warning. He goes and eats it. And Proverbs talks about that. I'm yeah. fully aware. There, there is a, a different decision. way to respond to that warning. I like it. I'm yeah. addicted. <laughs> so we're going to look at these four ways. Have we got a slide for this? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. We do. We have the we have the four different types of, okay. of folks in in Proverbs. Okay. There you go. So the first one is the scorner. That you, that's my accent right there. The scorner. You can all try it later. That's why we got it written for them. <laughs> yes. True. <laughs> <laughs> the, the scorner mocks. God's wisdom. It's too mm -hmm. high for them. They think they know everything and they never improve with rebuke. I think some of us have been there at some stages in our lives. I think we know people that, that struggle with being a scorner. You tell them something, they say, look, I don't need it. I know what I'm doing. Then there's the fool. The fool is dense, a little bit thick, careless, hates instruction is over self-confident 
and talks without thinking and mocks at um, rebellion, at doing things wrong, lazy. Mm -hmm. The simple person or the simple response believes everyone and everything. Believes that it was the best decision of his day to have Taco Bell. <laughs> believes it! Because the marketers told me that. <laughs> Lacks discernment. <laughs> That's the simple person or the simple response. And then there's the wise response. They listen, they obey, they tell other people the truth, and they run from rebellion. They run from sin, things that don't please God. And the goal of spiritual leadership is to move people, to move our children, to move you guys as people that we pastor, to move anyone that we come in contact from those first three ways of responding to warning and instruction and move them down to wise responses. Yeah, we all start off in the in the bad corner. <laughs> we all start off life as scorners, fools, and simple. You don't have to teach kids how to do that. They just naturally do that. But wisdom is something that comes from above. It's not natural. It doesn't come from inside of us. It comes from God. And so helping people move, teaching them, pushing them even. Um, in First uh, Thessalonians, I think it's chapter 2, Paul said, I was to you as a father, um, teaching you, admonishing you, and, and encouraging you to walk in a way that's worthy of the Lord. And that's what we want to do as pastors. We want to pastor you all. And some of you scorners out there, we know who you are. Uh, <laughs> fools and simple folks. Uh, over the coming weeks, I'm going to be covering all of these. So it's going to be a wonderfully encouraging and positive month for you to come to church. Uh, we're going to be we're going to be talking to each one of you because because all of us are in different stages and, and and we can all take a step forward. We can all become more wise. We can all receive more wisdom from God. And so um, the way in which you know one one of the primary ways in which this wisdom is diffused and given to our kids and to our, our folks that are in our church or or even if you own a business, you want to take people into a place of wisdom uh, is found in Proverbs chapter six. We want to look at Proverbs chapter six right now. And I left my iPad back there. So would you be able to read to read Proverbs? Chapter six, as they pop it up there. Let me just hop forward so I can see it. Pop. <laughs> My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart and tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. not my point, but I will just make stuff up if you'd like. Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, as we were reading through this, Harry, when we were first starting to prepare, Harry was asking me, what jumps out at you, Ro, when we're reading through this? And I was um, looked at, you know, bind them continually upon your heart, tie them around your neck. And I was saying to Harry, one of my primary roles in my life at the moment is moving my children from being scorners, simple, or foolish in their responses to being wise in their responses. And we spend, oh gosh, over 50% of our conversations during the day involved talking about heart attitude and talking about how whatever they just did, whether it was Micah following behind his sister and kicking her, um, to you know, being very gracious and sweet and asking if their sibling would like some help. Both of those things actually happened in our Just house. Just this week. Yep, Pretty much both in the same things. week. Yep. Maybe in the same hour. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but I spend a lot of time talking with our kids. I spend a lot of time 
continually putting it upon their heart, tying it around their neck, talking to them about having wise responses to what God tells us. Mm, that's good. Yeah, the neck and the heart are the two places that God wants to put his word. He wants to bind them to our heart. That's, the, that's, that's not your actual organ, okay? There's not one to cut, cut open your chest. Your heart stands for your desires. He wants your desires to come in with his desires. And then the neck, and this is once again not to choke you, this is the access to your head, okay? So he wants to change your thinking. He wants to change your desires and your thinking. And the way in which he does this, and he, he gives right, right here um, at the end in verse 23, he says, for the commandment is a lamp. The commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. That's where we want our kids and that's where we want you guys to go, down the way of life, okay? Because that's, that's really the end result. If, if you're asking me why I'm parenting children, it's because I want them to go to heaven. That's the end result. I don't want them to go to hell. We still believe in, in, in an eternal place of torment and an eternal place of bliss. Scripture teaches on this very, uh, very emphatically throughout Scripture. We believe, and it's not to scare people or freak people out, but we need to understand that there's one of two destinations you're going to spend eternity in all of us. And so we want you to get to heaven. We want you to be happy in this life, absolutely. And we believe that following the ways of wisdom will produce happiness in your life. But even beyond happiness right here and right now, we want you to be celebrating heaven with us forever. And my, the goal of my life is to, is to get to heaven. The goal of my life is to follow Jesus. And when I close my eyes and exit this earth, I'm in his presence. I'm with him forever. And it's not, it's not boring. It's not a couple of angels strumming on harps. It is, it's exciting. So anyway, I love to preach on heaven sometime. But that's the goal. The way of life, that's where we want our kids to go down. And so the way that this happens, the way that we pastor people and bring them into a way of life is through this commandment and this law. And in verse 23, the writer of Proverbs com compares the commandment to a lamp and the law to a light. Now, these are two separate things, commandment and law lamp and light. And we want to spend the rest of the time talking about law and light. And so in the first slide, uh, I have an ancient lamp. I have, a, I have a picture of an ancient lamp. And just in case you guys can't see that right there, it looks kind of like a bowl with an odd little pinch in the side. Then they pour olive oil in the middle and then they stick um, what would be like some rope or some twine um, as, a, as, as a wick. And so the lamp is the clay part and the light or the wick is the is the rope and so just to test this out because I'm a few thousand years removed we went to Walmart got us some clay and the kids and Ro and I we made sort of like a lamp it's a little bit rough right it looks kind of I don't I don't know if you can see in there it's got a bunch of olive oil in there right now but um and then and then we had this string and so we just like we we, we tested it out yesterday we 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 made this you you have to form you, you you have to form the clay you have to you have to you know knead it and 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 and, and get it all flat pull up the sides and then stick it in the oven for about 15 minutes and then let it cool down so it's all nice and hard and then you pour in the oil and then you get this this light or this 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 wick and just lay it in there and like i didn't know it but olive oil is flammable like you light it <laughs> We're cooking with this stuff, man. Anyway, like, in, in, in ancient times, olive oil was so common that this is what they used. They didn't have whale fat and stuff like that. So they would just, this is basically what they would do. And then they light it. And this provides about a 40-watt light bulb amount of light, like all night long. You can see where it's kind of burnt from, 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 from us doing it last night. It was really, really interesting. We wanted to actually see what the writer is talking about. The writer is talking about the command is a lamp. 
and the law is a light. And so uh, we, have, we have a slide there for the lamp and the light, just so you can see the comparison. We have the lamp and the light. And then I'm going to talk about the lamp because that is the command. And remember in the beginning of the verse that, that we read, I think it was in verse 20, he says, he says uh, do not forsake the command of your father, nor depart from the law of your mother. So I believe that, that the writer of Proverbs is, is, is really making a parable for us about the, our, our two roles. So as a father, I'm to be a lamp. I am this big, hard plaything. <laughs> this is the guy right here, all right? This is us. Um, yeah, this is, this, is, this is totally us. And um, so, we, so, so we did this with our kids, and it makes a great illustration to say, why do you think God calls the, your, your dad like this, this clay thing? Why do you think God calls your mom this, 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 this soft wick? Like, why, how do you, why do you think God's comparing those two? And so they, they came up with all these great, great illustrations. For us, though, for me, it really, um, the, the number one thing as, as a dad, as a husband, and, and, and as a leader of a church, as a leader of an organization, um, I have to understand why I am the shape that I am. I have to understand why I am the shape. Because if you look at, if you, if you look at that lamp, it's really a weird shape. It's an odd thing. This is... This is, it wouldn't really work for a bowl of soup, and it wouldn't really work for a cup of water. This is an odd shape. This is a strange shape. But, but, but as, as a lamp, I, I have to understand my shape. I have to understand my purpose. I have to understand that I'm not a bowl. I'm not a cup. I am going to be a lamp. And so that's what vision is. Vision is understanding why you're as weird as you are. <laughs> vision is understanding why you look different and funny. Vision is understanding really the heart of the potter when everybody else looks at it and says, that's really strange. And so guys, whether you're married or single, man, you need to press into the heart of the potter. You need to understand the potter so well and be so moldable by the potter. By the way, you may have to go through a furnace too. I'm just, I'm just saying, anyway. Uh, modern modern day guys, it's like we want we like we want the wick, we want the woman before we've gone through any kind of furnace, and because we think somehow the wick is going to help us go. But no, no, no. You need you you need to be re so reliant on God. You need to let God just take you. Like and it's 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 not it's not that men are more important than women. Obviously, this thing isn't going to work without a wick. This is just a big hunk of clay. But it, it's first. It's what the potter does first. And that's what God did first in the Garden of Eden. He created man, not because man is more important, but because man needs a little more work. <laughs> he's, 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 harder, he's harder to work with. I, hey, I was the potter in this case. It's not easy to work <laughs> Stubborn, hard, try to get those edges to come up and not fall over and, you know, get all the air bubbles out. I mean, it was, it was, it was a bit of work, okay? So, so God created man first, put him in the garden, and finally when man was, was, was content with God and God alone, when man was pure, when man was right with God, then God said it's not good for a man to be alone. But before that, it's very good for a man to be alone, okay? You know what I'm saying? Like you need to, like, like a woman is not going to solve your issues. You have to get with God. You've got to find out why you were created. God never intended on a person to be your source. He's going to be your source. So he starts with just a man. He molds him. He moves him. And then, and then, and, 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 and then it's your job as a leader to communicate that, to communicate why we are here. By the way, when, when, when I was working on this, the part that took me the longest, like the sides were all pretty easy. The part that took me the longest was that end, that end right there, the part where the wick lays. 
that part took me the longest because you got to get the angle just right because if you don't, then it, it lays too flat. And this is where God will spend the most time. Guys, this is where God will spend the most time in your life preparing you to hold the woman that he's going to give you. He, because because if, if it's too flat, you'll snuff out the light. If it's too sharp, the wick will fall over into the oil and the whole thing will blow up. And, <laughs> so... <laughs> Those are the two ways that marriages can end. Um, <laughs> he's going to spend the most time on the part of you that's going to hold her. And if you're a woman, he's going to spend the most time on the part of you that's going to hold your children because he, he's trusting you with these people in your life. And the same is true as a pastor. same is true if you're a leader of an organization. God's trusting you with employees. If you're a manager at Best Buy, God's trusting you with people underneath you. And the part that holds them is the part that he's most concerned about and he spends the most time on because he wants you to be a blessing to them. He wants you to help them. And so, and so he's going to spend a lot of time. So I spent a lot of time working out that groove, getting that thing just right. And, 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 and really what you're doing, whenever you figure out your shape, whenever you figure out your why, is you're starting to be able to communicate. You know, you know the value. You're starting to be able to communicate the value. Like, when it says that the command is a lamp, the command, he's talking about command and law. And you can jump in whenever you're ready, but command and law. Command is the precept. The law is the actual um, legal code. So it, the command is the constitution. The law is the speed limit. Does that make sense? So on the one hand, you have this, this, this why, this precept, this constitution. But they didn't say anything in the, con in the American Constitution about speed limits. And so then we have all of these laws that surround, hopefully they're supposed to, support and help explain the, con the values that are presented in the Constitution. And so the, the role of the man in the home or the role of the leader in a corporation or a pastor in a church is to communicate what are our values. What are the values? What's the goal of this whole thing? And by the way, you are communicating value. You may not be doing it intentionally, but you are telling your kids what is important. You are teaching them what is valuable. And as a pastor, I'm teaching you all, which is why I did the sermon series on people are worth it, because it's a big value to me that people are valued. It's a big importance to me that when people come in, that you don't see them as an inconvenience because they stole your seat. Some of you haven't been in church long enough. But anyway, that, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's a big importance to me. And it, it bleeds over into everything. Like this morning we had a little training for our setup crew. And big part of this, the training was, uh, this is how you set up. That's great. But the other part was, this is why we set up. There's a reason why we have padded chairs instead of metal chairs. And it's not because you guys can't sit on metal for an hour. It's because we thought it was worth the extra $1,000 for your rear end to be a little more comfortable <laughs> for the hour. Because what we hear from people when they walk in for the first time many times is, I feel so at home. That's important to me. You don't have metal chairs in your living room. <laughs> Maybe you do. <laughs> I don't have, and I got pretty rough living room. We don't have metal chairs now. We got soft places to sit. I don't understand. So for us as a church, we understand other churches have their value systems. I'm trying to share with you my values. I'm trying to share with you what's important to City Chapel. Are, are people's rear ends important? Absolutely. People's comfort important? Exactly. Why? Because I want them to feel at home. We put this pipe and drape up, not because there are no walls. <laughs> there are walls. The pipe and drape is in front of the wall. 
There is no structural purpose for the pipe and drape other than to make you not feel like you are in a, an elementary room. Because white cinder block walls, because we want people when they walk in to feel like we prepared for them. Because they're worth it. Wow, these people really turned this place around. They really fixed this up. And when, and, when, and when the principal and when people who work at the school come in, I love what you did with our school. I love the fact that we are, because like somebody came and one time they said, well, it seems like you're doing too much, you know, it's too much set up. And it's great. I hope that we can be known for doing too much for people to show them that they are valuable. May we be the church that does too much for people. <laughs> That's my value. Now, if you think that's a dumb value, then fine. There are other churches for you, and God bless you. There's just love you. But, but that's, that's, that's my value. And if, and if you agree with me, we're, we're going to get along really, really well. Um, and so, yeah, so we, we communicate value. Fathers communicate value. Leaders communicate value. Just real quick, just real quick. Let's all close our eyes. I did this with the staff this week. I'm going to close my eyes so you don't feel like I'm staring at you. We're all closing our eyes, and I want you to picture in your head a sunset. Just picture a sunset. There's a sunset in your mind. Sunset, okay, three, two, one. Open your eyes. Okay, now, if I were to ask you what kind of sunset you saw, it would be different. Each one of them. Cheryl would have a sunset. Cheryl's beach. She, she sees a beautiful beach. I am from Michigan. I tend to see flat land with pine trees a little bit of snow on the ground. Um, some people, uh, T-Bear's from West Virginia, he would have seen mountains, I'm sure. Uh, some of us see purple hues, some of us see orange and red hues. We, we all see, if we, there's about 100 people in this room, we would all have a different version of a sunset. Now, whose sunset is right? There's no right sunset. They're all right. But this is, this is, this is the issue. Like, in your home, your kids have a version of the sunset. Micah's version of the sunset, he's trying to paint for our family, is very different from Madden's version of the sunset she's trying to paint for our family, which is very different from the sunset we are trying to paint for our family. And we hold the vision of the sunset, but they hold the paintbrushes. So you have to communicate the value. And in this church, I hold the vision of the sunset that we're going to paint on the canvas of City Chapel, but you guys all hold the brushes. So actually the church ends up looking like what you paint. People end up feeling what you show them. So it's my job to instill that value, to let you know what a good sunset looks like in my mind, what God's put on my heart. We all bring different diversity to it, and that's what makes it look beautiful because you kind of bring out your favorite part of your sunset, and together we, we make something beautiful. Does that make sense? Good. And we were talking about in the home that the father brings that, um, that, that value system, the culture to your family. For mm. the single mums out there, we've got a lot of single mums in this church. Yeah. God is that, um, that person that brings that culture, that brings that value, mm. that um, sets the perimeters of the lamp, um, what it's going to hold. So just to encourage Yeah, Yeah, moms. the Lord says he'll be a father to the fatherless, which, which means he's the spouse. <laughs> of the single mom he's the face the father to the fatherless which means he'll he'll step in and he'll he will be that place that you will rest he will be that place that you draw your purpose from he will be that thing that communicates to you the why for your family the why for your life so he he takes over that role um but yeah for those of us guys man we, we need to get close enough to god that we translate his why for our life to our families to our corporations to our church in order that his will yeah. 
And then for the mother in this verse, um, we're talk, talking about being the wick. The or next being slide the shows, the, shows the, yeah. There I am. Look at me all swirly. <laughs> so pretty and white. You're just ugly brown. Um, hey, I, I didn't claim. <laughs> so the wick, um, it, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about at night time, uh, you can't see. Like if, if you're at our house, anyone who's been to our house, we have a lovely lake. It's really a stock pond behind our house, but I call it a lake because that's a way flasher. Um, so there's a lovely lake behind our house, and um, at nighttime you can't see the lake very good. You sit on the edge of it, and you can't really see. It's not, it's not illuminated. Um, I can't see what God has created out there. I can't see the trees. I can't see the pasture land behind it. I can't see any of those things because it's dark out. Now, when the sun comes up, I start to be able to see that again. And so as women, as mothers, we are to illuminate what the Father or what God has already put in place. So just as the sun comes up over that hill behind my lake, and I can see the lake that's there, I can see the perimeter of it, I can see the trees, us as mothers and as women, we um, show the values that the guy has already put in place, that God has already put in place, and we, we light it up and we, um, we show it for what it is. And the way that we do that in our house, I talked about a little bit, is we spend a lot of time in our house talking about what pleases God. We talk about heart attitudes. We don't just talk about behavior. So when Micah was walking behind Madden, he had just got in trouble for something, and then he proceeded to walk behind his sister and try and kick her. And yeah, I know, he's a feisty little rotter, that one. But um, it's all right, we're shaping him. And <laughs> And I, and I walked up to him, I said, son, why are you walking behind your sister kicking her? You can all know what he said, oh, I don't know. And uh, I said, well, darling, I said, you know, it looks to me like you have a hard heart like a bully. And a bully comes up and hurts somebody else because they're hurting or they're angry and they want to go and hurt someone else and make sure someone else is hurting and is angry and his little face got sad. And I said, sweetheart, a bully heart is not pleasing to God. God wants us to love and to be kind and to be gentle to others. And when we are struggling with something, God wants us to take that to him. Because we always want to present the gospel to our kids and say, you don't have to handle this on your own. You don't have to muster up this kindness or this all rightness with being um, in trouble. You can go to God and say, I'm really sad that I'm in trouble. And you can talk to God about it instead of kicking your sister. Yeah, yeah. Kids, but really people, become what they're exposed to. And that's why the media is so powerful, because they, they choose the narrative of what they're going to expose. But you end up replicating what you're exposed to. Exposure is so powerful. Exposure is so powerful. And so as parents, we have the opportunity to expose our kids to the hand of God. We can say, man, look, the reason why, like we have family fun day on Friday, so we go to Chuck E. Cheese. The reason why we can go to Chuck E. Cheese and spend $20 for them to play some dumb games is, is, that, is that God has blessed us with that $20. Like you can, you, can, you can tell your kids that. God has blessed us to be able to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Like this is a blessing of God. This is not something that your parents just work for and earn for and we just, we, we're just that smart. We are recipients. All good things come from above. We are recipients of the blessing of God. 
And we can say, you know, look at what God has done for us. We can spend time in prayer before they go to bed. And, and uh, I did that just this week, and I just spent like five minutes just thanking God for everything from our vehicles to our, to our house, to our couch, to, to the toys that we have, to the clothes that we have. Just, just they, it all points back to God. We're exposing the hand of God. Because otherwise, you might grow up and think that perhaps you earned something. <laughs> perhaps if you just work hard enough. And then the weight and the pressure of that. And so, for, so even for you all, as I, as I talk with you, I always try to figure out what is God doing in your life. And I know what the enemy is doing. You can see it. It's so clear. And we can spend so much time complaining about that. And that's whatever. But what, what is God doing in your life? Where is the hand of God? What is God communicating to you? How is God blessing you? How is God moving you forward? Even in the midst of tough situations, even in the midst of trial and trouble and persecution, even in the midst of sorrow and pain and loss, what is God doing in your life? We always want to expose the work of God and illuminate. And also, this kind of gives off a smell too. The olive oil gives, a, gives sort of a nice smell actually, which is part of the role, I think, of, of the wick is just to perfume the home and to perfume the environment to to help create the culture that smells good and, and looks good and and uh, uh, yeah everything beautiful sort of flows out of that side of things like you said I'm just the, the, the dumb clay but what what happens when they come together that's where the real power is and so often we have um, clay uh, lamps and and cloth wicks and they don't ever come together they're waiting for the other one to get perfect. They're waiting for the other one to figure things out before they will start to trust each other, before they will start to come together. And it's so important that they come together. And there's two things that happen when they come together. Number one, when, 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 when these two things come together, number one, that's when the oil comes in. And the oil is a picture or is a symbol of really the anointing of God. Throughout Scripture, olive oil is always portrayed as the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God. And that's what Madden picked up on right away, that right in the middle of Dad is the Spirit of God. That, that right in the middle of Dad is the Holy Spirit, and completely soaking and enveloping Mom is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must be at the center of every relationship that's going to work in a Christian in a Christian mindset, everything that's going to move people toward wisdom, the Holy Spirit must be at the center of every pastor and every leadership team that wants to plant a church. It's you can get pipe and drape and you can get worship and you can get preaching, but you have to have the Holy Spirit. You have to have the oil because the Holy Spirit is the fuel for the fire. Without the, without the fuel, you always have to have the fuel first. <laughs> Fuel comes first, then fire. You can't have illumination without fuel. You can't have light without fuel. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit before your life can begin to shine this light that we're talking about, before your, your kids can start to demonstrate this light that we're talking about, before your church can start to move in the direction that we're talking about. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a story that we talked about in, the, in a men's Bible study about a guy who, who went out and bought a, a, a push mower. And um, he's kind of an older guy. When he grew up, push mowers, you just push them. <laughs> a lawnmowers, and, you know, you, you push them. And so he, he, he bought this lawnmower, and he put, he's pushing, he's mowing the lawn. He notices it's a bit heavier than his old push mower, but he thought maybe he's just getting old. And so he's out there sweating his tail off, pushing his lawn. He cuts it. He comes in the garage, and he does this a couple weeks in a row, and it's just burdensome. It's late. It's laborious. I don't know if 
that's a real word, but, you know, it's, it's difficult. And finally, like, his teenage son says, Dad, like, yeah, you're supposed to flip this little lever right here. And the lever was the, the thing that enacts the, the self-propel motor or engine up in the front wheels. And that's when he realized this is a self-propelled push mower. And he realized, number one, that he could do it much faster with the self-propel on. And number two, that he didn't sweat nearly as much. And that's what the Holy Spirit is in your life. If you are a born-again believer, you have a self-propel switch in your life. And you need to stop trying to push it on your own. God wants to activate something that will, that will enable you to be who he's called you to be. He doesn't just command you, oh, straighten, get, get your act together and get it all right. No, he also promises to fill you with his Holy Spirit. And when he fills you with his Holy Spirit, it flips the switch of the, of, the, of the activation and suddenly you're not pushing on your own. Suddenly you're not doing this thing on your own. You're doing it with the help and the power of God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the sermons that I remember from being a teenager um, was the title of it was called Chain to the Chariot. And I remember the sermon well. Um, the guy was saying that when, um, back in Bible times, when a population, a people were conquered by another king, that that new king would chain up the old king and his leaders and chain them to his chariot and he would walk them through the town to tell everybody, I am your new leader. These old leaders are now my slaves. They're chained to my chariot. And this man was talking about being chained to God's chariot. And so as I was thinking about this wick, um, I had a situation this week where um, I was on a phone call with somebody and they asked me a question and off the top of my head I answered them and I answered them with a lie. And so I hung up the phone and straight away I was like, the Holy Spirit just started convicting me and I said, you're completely right, that was a lie. And so I rang them straight back, I ate humble pie, and rang them straight back. I'm like, I am so sorry, but I just lied to you and this is the truth. And that, to me, is being chained to the chariot. That, to me, is illuminating. It's being a wick. It's, it's illuminating. It's representing who Jesus is. It's not giving a false representation. God doesn't lie. He is truthful always. No matter how small or big, He's truthful always. And I've been really thankful all week to the Lord that He cares enough about me to challenge me on those things. Um, and to bring me back into alignment and make me be a true representation of Him. Absolutely, and that's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. That's how, that's how He helps. That's one of the ways that He helps us be pleasing to God, is that whenever we're not, He's like, hey, 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 yeah. back it up. Yeah. Let's get this, let's, let's, let's you, you, you can do this. It's never condemning. Yeah. He's never condemning. He's always empowering. He says, no, 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 you can call them back and get it right, right yeah. now. You can sleep tonight, and you can take a next step tomorrow, and you can grow through this. Yeah. And that is the fruit. Uh, scripture, scripture talks about two things, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that is, you know, prophecy, speaking in tongues. And I pray that all of us receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I pray that all of us desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That we, that we learn to walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, words of knowledge and words of revelation, that we begin to even see that on Sunday morning. I want to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit in full operation. Because they help the body. They encourage people. They stir people up. They get them to the next level. But there's also the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you should never desire the gifts without the fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, many of you say, well, that doesn't sound like me, but I would love to, to, to do that. And so it's like, okay, I need patience, so I need to learn how to wait better. No, no, no. It's, it's not the, the work that you do. It's the fruit. You don't have to, a tree doesn't have to work to produce fruit. It just simply has to be healthy. It just has to be connected. This, this wick doesn't have to work to produce light. It just has to be in the oil. You just have to be connected to the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit fills you, He produces this fruit in your life. And it's not all at once. It's not a magic wand that would wave over you. It's the Holy Spirit in your life, day by day, chaining you to the chariot of God. That God's going that way, you want to go that way, but you choose. This is not something that God conquers us and then we'd have no choice. He, his love has already conquered, but it's still our choice every day to put those handcuffs on and say, I am following you. I, I used to be my own king. I used to have my own domain. I used to tell myself what to do, but now I'm looking to you. I'm reliant on you. And the true test is when you disagree. <laughs> when he starts going that way and you want to go that way. That's when people break off and say, well, obviously God doesn't know what he's doing because I don't need to call people back and apologize. I'm the pastor's wife. I don't lie. <laughs> what is what one pastor told me? He misrepresented the truth. That's the same thing, folks. That's the same <laughs> dang thing. Just call it like it is. And repent. Get it right. And that's, that's how it starts. So I want to give everybody an opportunity today. Let's